Good evening, everybody. My name's Claire, part of the Woodies team here, and it's really good to be with you. I'm going to share a few things from a passage in the Bible this evening. And um, the title I was given uh, was Discern, Pray, and Obey. But I have to say that I have changed the title. And um, because it just didn't feel like that was what I was getting out of the passage. And we've got to let the passage speak sometimes, not just impose our um, agenda on it. And so this evening, I am going to just share a few thoughts about... I'm smiling at Dave Mitchell because he, 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 he gave me the original title. And uh, he'll probably tell me off. Um, I'm just going to just share a few thoughts that have come out of this passage that I feel like would be good for us as a church to pay attention to right now as we come towards the end of prayer week, well, we're at the end of prayer week, and we're going into 2024, and I'm sure that you are thinking about your future at the moment and thinking about where you're going next. And one thing I would love you to think about this evening is what kind of spirituality are you growing in your life? What are you developing and what sort of posture towards God and his leading in your life is growing in you? Um, How do we handle being spiritual people but not being flaky or strange or weird or totally out of step? with everyone else around us that may not be spiritual at all? How do we handle that tension of being people who feel like there's a God out there who loves us, who believe that there's a God who intervenes in our world, who talks to us? When some people would say, you think God talks to you? You're a bit mad. How do you hold that in yourself? And actually, as I was reading this passage, I thought a better title for me for this evening is how do we have a more grown-up prayer life? How do we have a more grown-up spirituality? And then I thought, well, actually, Jesus said, you've got to be like a child if you want to get into the kingdom of heaven. So we can't just try and be grown-up. So I thought, actually, here's my title. How do we have a childlike grown-up prayer life? That's where we're going, okay? And we're going to read some words from 1 Corinthians 14, amazing passage in the Bible. But first of all, I'll just tell you a little story about my friend, Roz, who um, became a Christian about three years ago now, or sort of started to become a Christian, started to find God, started to awaken spiritually, started to believe that there was something when she believed nothing previously. And she's, she'd been on a little bit of a journey and you know, ups and downs and, you know, definitely some moments like I'm describing where she was thinking, am I actually slowly going mad? Am I just around people who've lost it, who are deluded, who are listening to things and, you know, they're all just confirming, confirmation bias, you know, confirming each other's stories. But actually, if I just wake up, I'll see all of this is nonsense. But actually, as she gradually began to get to know God and and had many, many experiences of knowing God, she became more and more sure that God was real. Now, just before Christmas, she was going to New York with her sister for Christmas. How amazing. Who'd like to go to New York for Christmas? A trip of a lifetime, and the two of them were planning to go, and they'd been really anticipating it and looking forward to it, and it was exciting. And um, But can you remember that? COVID 
wave that happened just as we were all heading towards Christmas, the week of Christmas. And loads of people were coming down with it. If you went anywhere near ADH where Dave Mitchell lives, he threw COVID test sticks at you because he didn't want to, you know, have it in his house. And it's kind of like, you know, that everyone was a bit ill. And she came down with it. And she felt absolutely awful. Every single day that week, from the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday, they were, they were going at the weekend. And the weekend was approaching. And they were going to be flying, a nine-hour flight, feeling terrible and it just wasn't going and she said to her friends I you know I'm feeling really rough I'm not even looking forward to going anymore and they said well we'll pray for you and on the Friday she was sitting in her lounge drinking a cup of tea feeling awful and a thought came into her mind just from nowhere and the thought was someone is praying for me right now and she thought, why did I even think that? But this conviction passed through her. And then a few seconds later, a few minutes later, she just noticed that all the feelings of illness and sickness, the heaviness, the temperature, just lifted off her body. Sort of like from her toes up through her body and out of the top of her head. And she just felt better. Well... And we talked about, and she was ready to go, ready to go. They flew the next day, had a great time. What is that all about? And how does it make you feel? What I feel like when I hear these sorts of stories, and they are every now and again, they're not every day, there's not 10 a day, but regularly, these kind of stories of God intruding into our world and changing things, coming, bringing healing, bringing freedom to people, bringing salvation, bringing a new story, bringing a prophetic word, a word of truth that sets people free and changes everything. Every now and again, these things come to us, and they are hard to forget. They kind of get inside you, and you think, I, I, what I think is mysterious, frustrating, sometimes hard to understand as it is. I want more of that action of God in my life, the divine interventions of having a spiritual time, a, a spiritual um, life that is not just material, but is partnering with God. I want more of that. And it is a very, at times, a bit confusing and frustrating, if I'm honest, because the things I pray for don't always get answered at all. And so I set myself up for this kind of longing that has also questions and puzzles and frustrations in it. And I'm sure you're in the same boat. But Paul, the, the writer of Thessalonians says this, don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good and avoid every kind of evil. That's an amazing summary of a posture that you could adopt in life. Don't put out the Spirit's fire, he's exhorting us. Don't put it out. But also have this kind of attitude where you're able to test it, but hold on to what is good. And we want to be a church that is like that. We want to be a church, a body of people, a family of people who are traveling together, getting to know God, who are welcoming in something that is hard for us to control and hard for us to predict but is this mysterious, intangible, 
sense of the presence of God and his action in our lives. And I hope that that's what you want as well as you come and we worship together because we want to be people who grow up in our spirituality. We keep that kind of childlike faith that is expectant for God to work, but also have a grown-up way of handling these mysterious things. It says in Ephesians 4, God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth, and to tell it in love. Paul is always really helping the New Testament Christians to grow up, because spirituality in the New Testament is both childlike and grown-up. And in in the passage that we're about to read, Paul says this, he says, don't be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. And so what I felt, the sort of sense that I felt the Holy Spirit lead me as I was studying this passage this week was, I want my people to be mature but to, uh, but, and to be able to handle the mystery of the supernatural, the prophetic, with its power to influence and to change people's lives in a kind of, which is slightly dangerous. I want my, ch- my people to be mature and considerate and loving and to be able to hold these mysterious supernatural gifts with maturity, but also with expectation that I am amongst you, I'm with you, and I want to heal you. And yes, when your friends pray for you in another room, as they did with my friend Ross, she asked them later, were you praying for me? And they said, yes, at 11.20. And she said, that's the moment when I thought, someone is praying for me right now. So we want to be expecting that sort of thing to be happening. So we're going to read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, if you read any of these chapters in a book like 1 Corinthians, you've got to know that he's in mid-flow. The chapter is not meant really to be read out as a sermon. It's, It's a letter. And Paul is writing a letter. And he's writing to a little church in Corinth, maybe 50 to 150 people, maybe that's about how many. Corinth is this bustling city. It's a Roman colony and it's a bit of an outpost where um, a sort of strategic city that had spurs out into the neighboring areas, kind of a bit of a gateway city to an area, a bit like Bristol. Gateway city to the southwest, influential. And in this city, scholars say that it was um, essentially, it was prosperous, intellectual and morally interesting. The temple of Aphrodite towered above Corinth and Aphrodite was the goddess of love and there were about 1,900 prostitutes, temple prostitutes that ministered in that temple and there was that atmosphere in the city of this intellectuality but also this kind of moral questioning, questionable behaviours and in this City is this little church growing up, trying to be grown-ups. (laughs) And actually, what you see is they are wrestling a little bit with something that's happened amongst them that's blown their minds. You know, they were Jewish people who were becoming Christians, and some some of them had come from its very formal religion. And all of a sudden, you see something is happening amongst them that has blown their minds a little bit. So we're going to read... um, this passage. I'm just going to put two definitions up 
on the screen because if you're new to faith and we we have a lot of people here who are exploring faith and that's brilliant we love that we love to explore with you because we're all exploring faith but in this passage it speaks about these two supernatural gifts one is called the gift of speaking in tongues and Paul mentions it and that really is a prayer language given by the Holy Spirit using words unknown to the speaker it's a bit mysterious And sometimes people get a sense of an interpretation that I think God is saying this through this unknown language. But it's definitely mysterious speaking in tongues. And the other gift that Paul talks about frequently through this passage is the gift of prophecy. The ability to receive a divinely inspired message or revelation and deliver it to others. And prophecy is something that we're interested in in this church. We have a prophecy clinic that runs every month with people who have become practiced in listening to God and giving what the message is that they sense God is giving to people that come along to the clinics. So prophecy is at the center of this church. And in this passage, Paul is writing about these gifts, trying to help this new church be grown-ups about these extraordinary gifts that are amongst them. And they were maybe not being entirely that way. So let's read it, shall we? Um, This section of scripture. Paul is saying, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue, remember that, does not speak to people but to God. And indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. We'll talk about that word in a minute. But the one who prophesies edifies the church, and I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. For the one who prophesies... Have I just read that? (laughs) I just want you to really listen to this properly. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the whole church may be built up. Let's see if there's another one. (laughs) He ends this little section. It's a long chapter. But at the very end of the chapter, he says, but you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. In this passage, Paul talks about something to follow, something to desire, and something to build. And those are the three things that I felt God speak to me about as I was preparing for this. So first of all, he says, this is the thing I want you to follow, follow the way of love. And What was going on in the church in Corinth? Well, it is clear if you read the passage that that it was um, mayhem. And Paul is trying to 
to sort of calm them down and bring a sense of order. You hear it all the time in the words that he's saying. We need order in these services. And he instructs them, you know, um, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say you're out of your mind? And he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at most should speak, one at a time, and then someone must interpret. So he's trying to say to them, this gift that is stirring you all up, that you're excited about, that is getting you to the point where you're all talking over one another, I want you to handle it differently. I want you to come at it with this sense of maturity and also a sense of being aware of who you're talking to and who's around you. And there's something that you see in Paul's writing all the way through the Bible is he's, as he's teaching the Christians and teaching the new church, he's always thinking about the outsiders, the people who are on the edge, who are in there, and maybe they're not all the way in. Maybe they're just standing at the back thinking, are they out of their mind and yet drawn in? And Paul is saying, I want you to follow a way I want you to follow the way of love when you are meeting together because the people that are around you are important to God. He's a God of love. Maybe you long a bit for some holy disorder. Matt mentioned it when we were praying earlier. Lord, bring some disruption. Dave mentioned it a minute ago. Sometimes the work of God is a bit disruptive. I sometimes wish, oh Lord, it's a little bit too orderly in here. Let's have some disruption. Let's have something happen. But the problem is, is it's a bit contested, that ground in my life. Because, you know, we're people of mixed motives, and so are you. We want experiences. We want to, we're drawn towards the idea of having a supernatural experience that maybe will take us out of some of the things we're experiencing, giving a, a bit of relief, a good worship session, you know, a good sense where, you know, I'm taken out of my complicated life and just commune with God. And we want those kind of supernatural experiences. But the reality is, 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 is that we are called to be down to earth and real and make a difference and pay attention to one another and not just have selfish experiences that are just for us, that are building us up, but pay attention to the family that are around you. We can be so self-absorbed in our pursuit of God and in our worship life, and so are these people. Paul was really saying, you're so self-absorbed when you're worshipping together that you're all talking over one another. You're so excited about the work of God, you've forgotten the people that are around you. And he says, follow the way of love. And really, he's just continuing. It's the end sentence of the most famous passage in the Bible about love. If you've ever been at a wedding, then you probably will have heard 1 Corinthians 13, if you've been at several weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, the most famous passage in the Bible about love, and it's Paul writing, and he's saying, actually, only a few sentences before, before he says, I want you all to prophesy, he says, if you prophesy without love, you're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So which is it? <laughs> How do we do it? Well, Paul says, I want you to prophesy. I really want you to speak in tongues, but I want you, most of all, to love one another. And I want you to hold these two things together. So are you pursuing the way of love in your life?
It's the most important thing, Paul says. And as you ask God for the gifts of the Spirit, and I hope that you are, and you ask God to help you grow spiritually this year and grow in the prophetic, Paul says the law of love is the, is the highest order as we do that. And we need to learn how to prophesy and speak in tongues and, he, and do and, and any of the supernatural gifts in, under the law of love. The second thing he says is, I want you to desire something. Desire spiritual gifts. So it's perfectly okay in Paul's eyes to long to be more prophetic. To see Who wants to see the gift of healing released amongst us? That little story about my friend Ross, how amazing if there's a wave of healing that breaks out and people hear, as they did in New Testament times, the, the surrounding communities were fascinated and terrified about what was breaking out in the church, in their midst, when healings were happening and prophecy and speaking in tongues. God wants to, I think, stir us up, uh, stir up a wave of Holy Spirit action that is going to have the potential to bring disorder into our communities, into your life. It will interrupt you and stop you in your tracks if you allow God to do that. And Paul says, I want you to desire these things. He uses a word that is um, based on, it come, our, we, we get our word zeal from, zeal. And he, it actually means boiling with passion. I want you to desire spiritual gifts, the gifts, the supernatural gifts of God, of healing, prophecy, speaking in tongues, the gifts of wisdom, all the, all the stuff, with such a passion that you're boiling over with it. And I think sometimes we have become so cool and calm and the other end so orderly that we've forgotten that this is a faith of passion. Paul is writing to a church that is growing up in the midst of this town and he's trying to say to them, actually, I can understand how exciting it is. So exciting you're tripping over one another to express this supernatural gifting, but pay attention to one another. And for us, we want people to come here on a Sunday evening and a Sunday morning to all our services and we want you to encounter the power of God. We want you to encounter that. We have a prayer team here who have practiced in praying for one another, for listening to God. We love the prophetic. We want people to come here and experience what it's like for someone to listen to God and say, I think God is saying this to you. And for that, we need to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. And Paul says, Paul actually says this. He said, if everyone is prophesying and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he will be convicted by all. And he is called account to, to by all. The secrets of his hearts will be disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Paul actually really believed that when these supernatural gifts were, being opera were operating in the church, that when people would come in, they would see God. And I think that what he's also saying is don't let them just see you in your fervor or in your clumsiness or in the way that you express your faith. Don't let them just see you. Let them see God. So be considerate. Love one another. 
but pray for a spiritual passion to rise up in you for a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we would love to pray for you this evening and pray for one another for more of God and more of his spirit. And finally, Paul says, the whole thing, the spirit behind which you you hold all these gifts, this tension between wanting God and wanting more of his his, uh, love and his power in your life, but also wanting to be able to bless one another, is supposed to be building one another up. And he uses a word, he says build one another. He uses that word edifies. Edifies means build like building a house. It's the same word that they would use for building a house. And Paul says frequently through these passages, all the time, as you minister to one another, as you talk to one another, as you pray for one another, you need to be building one another up, building the church, building up the people around you. And so he talks, he actually has this little discussion in the middle of the passage about speaking in tongues, which might be a mystery to you, but some of, for many of you, maybe you've got this private prayer language that you use to pray to God and you use to talk to God. And Paul says, when you pray in your private prayer language, don't just hoard the experience for yourself. Pray for the insight and ability to bring others into intimacy with God. Now, God is calling some people in this room into a new intimacy with him. And maybe the gift of tongues is something that you could ask God for to rejuvenate your intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is not something that is easily gained. Just deciding it doesn't seem to make it happen. But there's something when it rises up in your heart and in your mind and you think, you know, God, I want to know you better. I want to know you more. This year, coming out of prayer weeks, I face the year that I'm going into. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to feel and know and experience your love for me. Because he loves you with a profound Love that would blow your mind if you really could get hold of it. And he is calling each one of us into intimacy with him where we understand just how much we are loved and become rooted and established in that. Maybe for you that's something I felt as I was preparing this, that there, already there were people that have felt, oh, I need this. I need to know God better. And I actually need to know and experience his love for me in a new way. And I think God wants that for you. And he is calling his own spirit. Often, you know, we think, oh, I've come up with that. That's what I need. But actually, as you go along in the Christian life, you realize that even the desire for God comes from him. If he's stirring you up to want more of him, he is going to say yes to it. I feel there are some people for whom the gift of tongues could be a bit of a breakthrough for them. But Paul actually says, to be honest, in church, I'd rather speak five words, intelligible words with my mind to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. He's holding that tension. He had an intimacy with God, but he really loved the strangers in their midst. And we love you if you're a stranger here, if you're new here. And if you're looking for God, we want to say to you, that you are welcome here. And we don't want to freak you out (laughs) with weird experiences. 
But we need to say to you that we believe in a supernatural intervening God who actually wants to speak to his people and maybe to you. And we would love to pray for you and say to God, is there anything you want to say to this person? And if that intrigues you, I dare you to come and get some prayer from one of our prayer team who will be up here at the front in a minute and say, okay, I don't really know God, but I'd like to hear from him if he exists, so pray for me. And I feel that God is going to speak to some people this evening that have never heard his voice before. And that is really, for us, what it is to have this grown-up spirituality. I think God is calling us to a childlike faith that expects him to act, but also to be grown-ups, to love one another, to grow in the gifts of prophecy. Actually, prophecy is a gift that needs to be handled well. And this week, we've got some notes in our midweek groups that, that need to be read about how to receive a prophetic word. If somebody gives you a prophetic word, how to hold it, how to understand it, what do you do with it? Do you just believe everything? No. You test it, the Bible says. You test it against certain things that will help you to know whether this is really God speaking. And so I encourage you to have a look at those notes and to be part of a midweek group that can grapple with those things. So I've come to an end. And I, I, I want to say to you that I'm going to pray in a minute, but actually the rest of the service... And we're going to go back into worship. But we're going to have people down here, lots of us. If you normally are on our prayer team and you um, would like to come and pray, do come and pray. If you're part of our wholeness team and you're practiced at praying there, jump up, come down the front. And um, as we worship, it's going to be a bit relaxed and um, maybe somebody will jump up on the stage and say, I feel like God's saying this and that would be good too. And if you feel God speaking to you, come and speak to one of us. And in the next little bit, we're going to have a bit of holy disorder, a bit of disruption as we worship. We're not going to be imposing anything on anyone because we're following the way of love. But we want to push into hearing from God. We want to hear his voice. And I would love to pray for some people this evening who really want to experience that intimacy with God that has maybe felt a bit elusive before. And we just, next month, we're about to go into our wholeness course, as been mentioned. And wholeness is a brilliant place to unpack intimacy with God. Because often, our intimacy, our affection for God, our relationship with God, slightly sits in our template that's come from our upbringing and the way that we've been treated. And it's worth exploring whether there's some things that need to be laid down or healed or changed in order for God to come and show his love for us. He loves you just as you are. And he wants to speak to you. And he wants to draw you into a deep and rich life with him. So that when you go out from here, you carry that life, that love. And you can hear his voice and hand on what God is saying to you. So let's pray, shall we? And then we'll, we'll go into worship and, and we'll see what happens next. So if you want to, pray with me. I thank you, God, that you are a God who is here with us. 
You were not far off. You came in the life of Jesus and you intervened into this world and you really did bring a disruption. And I want to say, your disruption is welcome. Your spirit is welcome here. You, Lord Jesus, the loving saviour of the world, you are welcome here. And I pray for each one of us, I pray for everybody here, that we would hear and receive that call to know you more, to go deeper with you, to grow in these gifts that you are offering to us and to be able to hold them under the umbrella of love. So help us, God. Help us by your spirit now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.